Hi, this is Lisa Wilcox. I played Alice Johnson in Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5, The Dream Master and The Dream Child. You are listening to the awesome Elm Street Radio. In the reflection of my mind's eye, evil will see itself and it shall die. Welcome to Elm Street Radio, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we have the Dream Master herself. So grab some popcorn and hold on to your movie theater seat, because today is going to be a good one. And we don't want you getting sucked into the screen. (laughs) Exactly. This is Paige for Elm Street Radio, and I am coming through you live with our amazing host, Deandra, here. I feel like I've been singing the last couple of weeks coming in. I just must be in a really good mood. That's a good thing. That's a good it's thing. It's a very good thing. Yeah. It's a very good thing. Yeah. And like Paige was saying, we have uh, Lisa Wilcox on this week who means so much to the both of us and to the horror genre in general and all of its fans from her portrayal of Alice Johnson. I'm super excited. She, The character of Alice is such a strong woman and we're going to get into that we're going to delve into some of those so subjects we've got some questions that we're going to answer or ask her and um really just talk about female empowerment with her and how alice just was so important and how she really helped shape you and i and and it's so powerful i'm excited to talk to her today i am too because i know that you've known alice since you were a little girl and i didn't become a fan of a nightmare on elm street until much later but she certainly has been a driving force in making us some of the, you know, some of our greatest experiences in this world and the people that we've become is because of characters like Alice, you know, coming from uh, somebody who may have been a little bit more quiet. It's amazing to see that transition into somebody who's so strong and to believe uh, in yourself because of the people that you have around you. Because even though it says that Alice absorbed the, the, you know, the, the powers of her friends around her, you know, it's, it's symbolic of taking the best of the people around you because they say you are what the five people closest to you. So I feel like that's so true to Alice. And when she realized that, and it's symbolic of her transforming because of the support and the love she had of the people around her, which is something I think, everybody can relate to. Exactly. And a little known fact about our, our lovely host, Deandra, you know her as the cosplayer of Nancy, but you actually cosplayed Alice. You have cosplay pictures of you as Alice, don't you? Oh God, that was me digging in through my closet and uh, pulling out some lookalike outfits and then <laughs> sporting them around while I was retail shopping. Uh <laughs> I had bangs at the time, and I just loved Alice so much. I had to throw it on. I felt, you know, my MO is cosplaying, so I might as well just keep on rolling with it and take it. And it was a, it was a sassy-looking outfit, you know. I got a couple compliments on it. Little did they know that I was actually portraying a badass. <laughs> so, but before we get into uh, talking to Lisa Wilcox, a um, little bit in Elm Street news here, um... I'm so sorry that I had a really bad mistake last week and I did not make it to Ashley Graveyard Sisters uh, <laughs> a live tweet of Dream Warriors last week. Um, I was out and about and by the time I got back it was a little bit later and I completely missed it and I'm super bummed so I apologize to Ashley and to everybody else because we would have had some some snappy commentary on that from Elm Street Radio. Also the Ira interview last week was awesome and I loved hearing him sing. I don't know if you guys listening listened to the very end of that but if you want to hear Ira do his best version of Dream Warriors that is at the very end of uh, his interview (laughs) which I know we both loved. Um, and of course, Ira had, uh, given us a sneak preview into something that came out, I think it was like the day after, um, there was a, an article that came out from Patricia Arquette in, 
I'm going to have to leave it in the comments. The name is escaping me at this point in time, but it was, I think it was, Paige, was it her first interview or addressing it was. sense? So, and I, I believe it was bloodyflicks.com. That sounds and right. Yeah. It was Patricia's first time in a um, written form acknowledging Dream Warriors. She had acknowledged it in a couple of interviews. There was a Jay Leno interview in like 1997 where she talks about getting eaten by a snake as her first job and it was fun. But this was the first time she really did an interview and we finally got the real answer as to why she didn't come back for part four. And it was because yeah. she just wanted to do more meteor bulkier roles you know she she didn't want to come back for the franchise that's that's we finally got the answer yeah and uh i'm i'm you know that was one of those those long time questions so that was really awesome to uh to hear uh from patricia and i know that you have a special connection to uh kristen parker yourself page i do i i love kristen parker i have I've been cosplaying her for, for five years and I always, that's a whole other topic for a whole other show, but I always say that there were two very different Kristens and both performances were amazing. You know, both Patricia Arquette and respectively, you know, Tuesday night. And so to, to hear Patricia talk about it for the first time in, in this interview was really kind of refreshing. And I think that I, I think and I want to think that she really did it for, for the fans because so many people love and adore the character of Kristen. They certainly, certainly do. And even though uh, Kristen was in the two films and they had the two different interpretations, I'm completely with you in that they're both wonderful. But another person who was in both films and had stunning interpretations both times as her character of Alice Johnson is Lisa Wilcox. And so without further ado... Let us head down to Elm Street and speak with Lisa Wilcox about the legacy of A Nightmare on Elm Street, female empowerment, and our beloved Alice Johnson. We have come across the Dream Master herself, one of the most influential heroines in all of horror history, Lisa Wilcox. Welcome, Lisa. Well, hello there, darling. How are you this evening? I'm doing fabulous. How are you doing? Well, other than some car problems, I'm doing great. <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. You're not on Elm Street, are you? Thank God I'm not, or it could have been worse. <laughs> 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 yeah. So Paige and I are really, really happy to have you on. It is it is so great to talk to you today because both Paige and I have been influenced by your portrayal of Alice. Well, I am so happy to be talking to you gals and all of you out there. You know, thank you. Thank you so much. We're, we're so excited to have you on. I know um, I was talking to Deandra before um, you joined us on the call and I told her, I said, I'm really excited she's going to be on, you know, the, the character of Alice is so influential to, to young girls. And I know a lot of us saw these films when we were like four and five years old. And I can remember being like eight years old and, and begging my parents to go to like the local costume shop and find like a really bad red wig and like, <laughs> <you> know, find, <laughs> find these like lace up boots at the store. And I, I dressed as Alice for Halloween and and I think it's just such a strong um, character. And I think that, you know, when you look at, like, actresses and stuff, you are literally the only person who could play Alice. You know, even to this day, you're just so sweet. And and you really just embody that character. And I, I told her, I said, I'm so excited that we're having her on this week. Well, I just want to congrat congratulate you girls, you know, you young women, I should say, um, for having Elm Street Radio. This is such a wonderful concept, and I'm so happy to talk to women, you know, about the roles. And, well, the role, of course, I played it as Alice, but the, just the roles in Nightmare on Elm Street and other horror films as well, you know? 
compare and contrast, you know? Thank you. Thank you so much. Talking on like the roles of like women and stuff like that, since you're like really heavy in the convention circuit and you see all of these fans and, and all of these, you know, young girls that come up to you and really related to Alice as a role model, um, how do you how do you feel about that? Like the importance of Alice. Were when you were making the film, like were you aware that this character was going to be a strong female role model, or was it something you realized later on? You know, from meeting a lot of the fans, what what would you say that your feelings on on that would be? Oh my gosh, that is such a fantastic question. Seriously, um, I started doing conventions. I'm going to say almost 15 years ago and I had no idea the impact, the role that Alice had. The interesting thing that has happened over the past decade and more is that that impact has become, I've become more aware because what's happened and even Robert England has noticed that, you know, a decade ago, let's say it was mostly male fans, let's say, who, who approached the male and female celebrities, right? It was all male. But now there are so many more female fans that, that want my autograph and Robert's or want Heather's autograph, you know? And Robert and I had a conversation about this, and he's like, you know, he, there's so many more f- women that are at his table wanting to meet him and realizing the impact of, I don't know, maybe it's just taken a little while, but the impact of the Alice character, you know, her transformation is, I think, something that so many of us women can relate to, right? From shy to just blank out the world, you know, and then we're, comes a point in time when you have to just deal with reality and you find your strength. So, um, Another interesting thing is that a lot of um, people coming up to meet me are um, the first Nightmare film they saw was Nightmare 4 in the theater, actually in the theater. So it's been a very interesting (laughs) transformation. So that's awesome. I remember, um, actually, it was at that Horror Hound Weekend convention in Indianapolis when mm. I, I didn't get a chance to be in the, the, the panel, but it was uh, one of the nightmare, I think it was the nightmare one panel. I can't remember because I didn't make it inside because <laughs> I don't know why. But um, someone had told me, or I think I saw a video, I think it may have been a video, but Robert was talking about how there's so many more female fans and so many more people dressing up as other characters wow. other than Freddie. Cool. And I, I, was when I first started out, I mean, yeah, I liked Freddie, you know, everybody knows Freddie, but when I watched it, I I started connecting with these characters, these female characters. And I remember just throwing like outfits I had like pieces together when I was in high school, because I was older than Paige when I saw it. And I dressed up like Alice to go shopping at Kohl's. And I love <laughs> I like, it. Ah! <laughs> I'm going shopping with you. <laughs> I would have loved that. Um, but it was like those little things. And I can honestly say that in my life, I owe who I am today fully because of characters like Alice, like Nancy, um, like Maggie in the nightmare films, just watching them be so strong. It, it, and, and it drove my passion to come and do and talk to people and figure out what I wanted to do. It's amazing how powerful films can be and how you connect with characters, which actually brings me to a couple of fan questions. Um, It's kind of a two-part. I have one from Miss Taylor Bursky, who asks, what about Alice do you relate to the most, Lisa? Oh, wow. Hi, Taylor. (laughs) I love Tay. you know, it's it's interesting as an actress, you get scripts and and then you, I mean, I didn't even get to audition for Nightmare 4. They d- wouldn't let me audition because my headshot was nothing, looked nothing like the character of Alice, right? It took me, a, it was a, like a month before they finally went through their throwaway pile, before they finally let me audition 
for the role. Uh, Alice was me. I related to the character immediately. And that's not always true in scripts and roles I'm actually cast in that I relate to immediately. But Alice was me in grade school. I read books all the time. I hid away in my room. It was summertime. I read Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew is my inspiration to be the person I am today to investigate, to be outspoken, okay? You know, we all have a mentor, I guess you could say. So Nancy Drew was mine. Um, but I sat on my, leaned against my bed, sat on the floor reading my books. And I had read, I don't know how many men, <laughs> how many they did. So, um, and I was shy. I, I was very shy. I, uh, I literally would, you know, we had a two bedroom, two story house. And I would look out my window, taking a break from reading a book, and there was this guy, Alan Attic. He was so cute. He would be playing ball next door, and I just literally would look out the window. He was like my Danny, you know, and go, I wish he would notice me. But I was very, I wore like skirts and tights. You know, my mom made me very, you know, I had to wear this. And the, all the girls in this area we were living in, in St. Louis, Ledoux, St. Louis, very affluent and all the girls were wearing the Levi's and the cute tops, but I'm wearing like tights and a skirt. Okay. So it was so easy to identify with Alice and daydreamer. I wanted to be Nancy drew in my head. Right. And it wasn't until my father changed his job. Uh, he got a, he, a great opportunity in California and we moved out as a family and by accident, literally fell into acting. And I became outspoken, more outspoken. I did Barbizon modeling school. It's only because my sister, who's like three inches taller than I am, she's a year younger than I am, but she was like, you know, very outgoing, taller, this and that. And mom and she were going to Barbizon modeling school, you know, <laughs> to check it out, right? And, and I was like, well, what are you doing? And we're all going to Barbizon. I'm like, well, I want to go too. And so what could mom say? So I went along, you know, I wore no makeup. I didn't care about makeup, clothes, nothing, you know. And I went and I got, you know, I don't know. It was probably, <laughs> probably a deal. Jill and Lisa, you get a two-part package deal, <laughs> you know. And I'm sure they're like, what the hell are we going to do with this Lisa girl, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out and I learned like, you know, that I was attractive and makeup's not so bad and hair's not so bad. And, and then I went on to do you, I don't think I've shared this with anybody. It was called golden girls, California. It was yeah. a beauty pageant. It was filmed California. It went on for two years and I got second runner up. Wow. So I just want to say this, this transition and this all happened before I did Alice. Right. But all this happened in my real life to seriously shy, introverted gal. Yet I had this wanting to like an English class. I love to read out loud. You didn't have to stand up in front of the class. You just sat in your desk and you read out loud. But I love to read out loud. I love, I love books. I love literature. And somehow this all transcended into Alice. So when I read the script for Alice Johnson, it was like me. It really was. I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> that's, that's so awesome. That's so beautiful. Like, I... I really... I could not see anybody play Alice other than you. I think that in this franchise, there's such strong role model women characters. And I think that Alice just speaks to so many people. And I think that you really did bring to life Alice. And and we're all so thankful for that. We're all so thankful that, that you are the one who played Alice because it just, it was perfect. And she really did mirror your life. I love that. You know what? Thank you, Paige. And it did, you know, it really did. And, um, Gosh, right place, right time. Again, um, Annette Benson, who cast 
I think most of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, but she's the one who told me the story of how they auditioned over 600 actresses for the role of Alice and they couldn't find her. And they literally went through their their castaway, their castaway list, you know? And I finally got the opportunity and thankfully I did have the training. I did theater for six years. I was doing, yeah, I went to high school, but I was doing equity waiver. I did like two high school plays, but all the other theater during high school was outside of high school, you know? So I'm going to school, doing my tests, blah, 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 rehearsals at night, equity waiver work. I worked my ass off, not in a negative way. I couldn't, I couldn't get more. It was like more next, next play, next play, next play. And then was it um, graduated from UCLA as a theater major. So, and my parents were so cute. Cause they're like, okay, you, okay. Your acting's gone good, you know, but you need a degree. And I was like, yes, I do. I want a degree. So I, I do have a UCLA degree in theater. They were cool with that. <laughs> so that's so awesome. Wow. Wow. Get your education, boys and girls. Get your education because your education will only fulfill your artistic dreams. That's so awesome. That's a really, really yeah. powerful message. Thank you for sharing that. So when you transitioned, I'm actually going to mold this question a little bit. This is from Ashley on Twitter, Graveyard Sister. And uh, she'd asked mm -hmm. what how, re how relatable Alice's arc was paralleling your own. So when you moved from four to five, did that arc continue? Did that parallel continue? How did you approach the Alice from part, you know, taking part four and then going into part five? Was that relatable to your life at all then as well? I mean, yeah, no, it, it did. I mean, four to me is just um, that the character arc, you know what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, look at Alice. She's in like a mustard shirt and her greasy hair and this and that. And she evolves into this woman that she didn't even know she was, but she knew she was, right? So five was such an interesting departure in a way um, that I had no control over, you know. I was offered the role of to continue Alice in Nightmare Five. Now, Nightmare 5 deals with some very powerful social issues. You have to think, too, of it's 1989 now in 2000, you know, for Nightmare 5. We're dealing with, hmm, teenage pregnancy. We're dealing with abortion. We're dealing with um, alcoholism or alcohol, you know, drinking and driving. We're dealing with, think of the other characters, bulimia. Anorexia, Nightmare right. Five deep is stuff. so yeah. heavy, heavy with all of these social, oh my gosh, things going on, my God, that young women are dealing with, that teenagers are dealing with. I think it was a little heavy handed, quite frankly, to put in Nightmare Five so much of those Heavy, heavy subjects, right? Oh, and by the way, violence. Nightmare 5. Okay. There was going to be a screening in Westwood, which is Los Angeles, right? There were people striking the film. Too much violence. Too much violence. And in fact, Nightmare 5 went through many renovations or changes to get it to an R rating even because the violence was so extreme Particularly, I think it was um, Danny's motorcycle scenes, you know, when oh, he yeah, becomes those are, a motorcycle. Those are super very visceral. Crazy. But you have to think of the time, too, 1989. So I feel that Nightmare 5 just wasn't well received <laughs> because it was, like, so, like, serious, you know? You know, I know that five was like not well reviewed in the the box office, but after box office life, I feel like it it has a place in a lot of people's hearts. I I think that for me, I appreciate Nightmare Five so much because they did try to bring it back to a darker tone. You know, not not so comedic. Yeah. And I, I always say that like yeah, I appreciated five should have been too. before four. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that four. tone. 
No, the tone of four. I mean, how, when does Robert England, Freddy Krueger ever appear on a beach in bright light with sunglasses? Right. <laughs> okay. Which is okay, great. That's it's brilliant. And the music okay. and all that. I love I mean, that <laughs> I love it too. It's but so it MTV. Kind of, yeah. It's very MTV. And as you've heard Robert's panels, he calls Nightmare 4 like the MTV version of Nightmare on Elm Street. Hey, I love it. That's great. The music's amazing. Um, we took a horror character into bright sunlight in Santa Monica Beach, right? But <laughs> and but then it seems it was a bit too um, sharp to just change it all into this very dark, 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 dark stuff. And just right. Alice representing all of this social, you know, political stuff going on, you know? So. Right. It was, it was almost like they were making a... you a smoke spurtin. Yeah. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. almost like Not there was fair. a bit of a disconnect, too, because, um, you know, Freddie had come out of starting to become this comedian. And, and still in Nightmare 5, he really is. I mean, it's dark. And Freddie, the way he is, is is dark. But he's still transitioning into that funny man. Meanwhile, we have Alice over here who is dealing with all of these really, really dark elements of yeah, yeah. life itself and all these characters. And you've got Freddie going around being like, ha, 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 and everybody else is just like, this is my baby, you know, mom, I, I don't want to do this. And then I'll, I'll just, it's super serious on the characters. And then you pan back over to Freddie and he's still becoming Mr. Goofy Pants. Yeah. Right. Yes. And in four, he is Mr. Goofy Pants, but it was, it was in, it was actually perfect timing in a way. MTV had just started three years ago, three years before that. And it, it was an interesting evolution. Um, but then going to Nightmare 5 was so like, what? What? It wasn't even a ebb and flow. You know, it was just like, okay, we're going back to dark. You know, it's interesting talking about this because I feel like the, the Nightmare 3 and 4 were like the upbring, you know, the up of the box office. You know, Nightmare 4 was definitely a date movie. You could take your date to Nightmare 4. It was a little scary, but it also had fun and humor, right? But right. the Nightmare 5, one year later, is such a different concept and feeling. So, I don't know. Damn it. I wish I was a producer. <laughs> you could be, Lisa, though. You... You know, you're, you opened us up talking about how women in power and, and talking to women. I mean, you, you totally could be. You could be even talk to Amanda Wiss about this, you know, making your own movies and being that female. And, and, and Paige and I, you know, are a part of a, a team of, of female filmmakers along with our friend Kim. And it's so wonderful to see all these other women coming out and being like, there's women in horror month and they're going out and they're breaking down these barriers. And then you've got movies like Wonder Woman, where you have this, this female director who's really pushing the boundaries and having all this success. I mean, times are changing. You, you definitely, definitely could be moving forward. Well, I appreciate that very much. And um, what, speaking of Wonder Woman, I don't know if you saw my pictures I posted. I saw it at the Arclight in Hollywood and they had the costumes in glass cases. And I have, I'm there in front of those glass cases like power up, my hands up, you know? I did see those. Those are so awesome. I have to tell you about another picture really quick before we get off topic of Wonder Woman. It was so awesome yeah. to see, like, when Wonder Woman came out, they were saying how that, like, never has there been a more powerful woman on screen leading a film. And then people were posting pictures of Alice and Nancy and saying, oh, really? really? <laughs> yes, uh... I loved it. I was like, oh exactly. Oh, Oh my gosh, you have to share this with me. You have I to. Have I, I do. I have one on one of my pages. There's one they're talking, they're like, oh, really? And I think it, this one has, like, people were sharing pictures. I think this article, it's been a while since I've read it, but I know it had Ripley on the front and all just all kinds of stuff like this because, you know, it's, it's like with the Disney phenomenon when people are like, oh, Elsa, she's the first one who really, you know, led the way and she was super female <laughs> and overpowering these men. And I'm like, um, excuse me, did you see Mulan? <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved it I, I mean, anytime yeah. anyone shares Elm Street I love it because I'm like yes like they were these powerful women they were these strong characters they and, and they still hold true they rock like they rock and here's what 
is the best part for me of Wonder Woman is that women over 50 are shown as powerful, beautiful, in their age, rockin', okay? Yes. Like Robin Wright, Robin Wright. right? It's like women over 50, we still rock. We are still like hot in our age, whatever. We keep up. We are exactly. current. And this is part of the Hollywood scenario too, is that, you know, women over 40, huh, your career is done, darling. You're done. Now, I have seen some transition happening. You gals are still like so young and starting in your careers and whatnot. And at my age, I turned 53, that's this late, you know, April. And so for Wonder Woman to see powerful women over 50 was one of the best parts for me. Just That's a quick awesome. note, have you seen House of Cards with Robin Wright in it as Claire Underwood? Because oh, I oh, yes. love oh, her. Yes, I love her. She's amazing. Her, um, you know what, Deandra? I was going to cut my hair, in fact, to like a Robin Wright style from House oh of Cards. Oh my God, you would thinking, totally rock that. <laughs> of, I, 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 and then I was in the, sty- the, ch- the chair and I'm like, oh, but I still like to wear pigtails. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, I just don't want to do that yet, you know, but I have so considered that. Absolutely. Powerful woman. They have a spine of steel. And um, anyway, I was just really happy in Wonder Woman to see the glorious. I mean, the actress that plays her, she's gorgeous. Israeli, Israeli, I believe she is. She's gorgeous, you know. But I love seeing that her history is these beautiful, strong women that taught her everything she knows. And she credits that, too, in the story, you know? Yeah. Right. And, and what do you think? I mean, I know Paige wants to address uh, some of the, you know, where Alice might be today. But what if there had been a, a third film? Actually, one of the, the fans had sent us a question, Troy Kingsbury. If there had been a third movie, Confrontation with Freddie, what challenges as an actor would you have liked to be asked to perform? Is physical or emotional? Like, if you had um, to portray Alice again in a third film, what, what would you like to see uh, as an actor? What, what, what would you like to have, have taken on? That is a fantastic question. Um, certainly, would where are Alice and Jacob today, right? And um, I never got killed in five, so I'm alive. Jacob is alive. He's gotten some of Freddie's indulgences into his mind, right? Um, and then for Alice, what powers does she still have? And to me, I think that it would go into a kind of a heaven and heaven and hell kind of brink. And because Freddie got exposed to his evil in Nightmare 4. I put a mirror in his face. Evil will see itself and it shall die. One of my favorite quotes from the script, for sure. So I kind of see that there would be more of a spiritual level, heaven and hell kind of predicament that would happen with me and my son against Freddy Krueger. Are you aware um, that the original Freddy's Dead script was supposed to be about Alice and Jacob and that John Doe is actually Jacob? Nope. Never heard of it. Send it to me. I had no idea. Never heard of it. Really? (laughs) Yeah, because the original script, the original script that was written for Freddy's Dead was about Alice and about Jacob and then really um yeah and Alice yeah. I think I think it's Alice passes away and she keeps coming in Jacob's dreams and he oh, is in like I a I love it. Yeah, oh, it was so, it was so that. good. A lot of fans like wish that that's the direction they would have oh. would have went. And um and then another fan theory which is a crazy fan theory that I that I love is in Freddy versus Jason the character of Lori Campbell is okay. uh, Alice Johnson's daughter. And that's why Freddie targeted her and targeted her mother. And so that was a fan theory that, like, I loved. I was like, yes, like, I, I would have loved for them to incorporate 
Alice and in Jacob, really, because you know you guys survive. It's it's it almost does a disservice to the franchise to just cut off those characters and not really continue that story on that meant so much to so many people. You know, even back in eighty eight and eighty nine when these films, you know, were premiering, people still felt a connection to these people. They feel connection more now because we hold these films so so close to our heart. But back then they still did. And and you know, I know for for me, um, I was a very little kid when Freddie's Dead came into theaters, but my cousins all went to see it and and one of the things they said is, what happened to Alice? You know, it was a very apparent thing that, you know, her character was gone. And then in later years, our adult years doing research and stuff, the original script for Freddy's Dead was based on Alice and Jacob. Oh, my gosh. I want to read this script. Paige, you have to email it to me. I will. I will I definitely will. email it to you. I actually, is, it, um, is it on the Nightmare Companion? It. Probably. Yeah, it's on. It's on I the can't remember. Well. Yeah. yeah. It's on what? It's on what? Uh, NightmareOnElmStreetFilms.com. We'll send it to you. Um, it's like okay. The rec- okay. The, yeah, they have a bunch of the different scripts from the movies. Like a couple weeks ago, we discussed the original script from Dream Warriors. That's on there. It's much darker. Whoa! I've never yeah. even heard of this. You girls. Oh my gosh. You gals. Yeah. And speaking oh of other okay. other um, materials, I know Paige was talking about what the original script was. Have you had a chance to read any of the uh, comic books? Innovation Publishing put out a comic series where Alice and Jacob are, um, you know, facing Freddie and Nancy is in it. And, and they have to, they, like, Alice goes into the dream world, and then Nancy comes in, and then there's Dan, and there's Freddie. It's, it's actually something that New Line had worked on with Innovation Publishing, and it is considered canon in the Nightmare series. So this is officially, according to them, even though it's not in the films, um, according to New Line, is part of the story of what becomes of Alice. And they're all available online in these series of comics um, to, to see this with. And, right. and then, like, at the end, um, Dan, or, or because Nancy's in the dream world and Alice is in reality and Neil loves Nancy, well, um, Neil and Dan... Dan goes into Neil's body and then, <laughs> spoiler alert for anybody out there, if you, you want to put this on mute for like the next 30 seconds, just in case you haven't read it. Uh, but, but Dan um, ends up coming into Neil's body and then Neil's soul goes into the dream world. So then Alice gets to be with Dan, but in somebody else's body and Neil gets to be with Nancy in the dream world. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. I have seen, but I have not read through the comic books, but... Interesting enough, I'm doing a lot more Comic-Cons are coming up, you know, so I'm getting more privy to the comic book world. So all I can say is I'm going to have to read those. So Deandra, I'm so sorry. Thank you for your research. Oh my gosh. But yeah, we'll send them to you. I'm not, I'm not up on it. (laughs) So speaking of Comic-Cons, I know you have a panel this weekend, right? About do you have what it takes to be a star? Are you, can you like give us some insight onto that a little bit? Yeah. Um, Pat Tallman from Babylon 5, and there's some other um, uh, panel members from Babylon 5, but it is about what it takes to be a star, but it's not comedic. It's deep. It's really about what each of us had to give up in our lives to pursue our acting and to be who we are as artists. And it's about relationships that didn't work because that person was not supportive. They couldn't understand what we do. And it's not to say you can't have a partner in your life as an artist, as an actor, you know, but it is, um, it's pretty tender. It's gonna be a very tender, panel so it's not oh what does it take to be a star oh make sure you have an agent no it's not about that it is about very personal stories from all of us about what it took to do what we do so so. I'm very proud of it I'm a little nervous (laughs) because it's very revealing in a personal way personal life 
Um, and um, I'm just really want to thank Pat Tallman. Do you know Pat Tallman? If you don't know her, Google her. She's an amazing, amazing person. Um, so I'm very, very thrilled to be part of this panel. So that sounds so. That sounds so good. It almost sounds like a little bit like inside the actor's studio, like where you really get to know the in-depth story. Yep. Of your yep. guys's journey and your struggle and and your success and and yep. that is something that is so valuable to people and I know that it's it's going to be a hit it's going to be a success well um I don't I don't think this kind of panel has been done at um San Diego Comic-Con before or any other Comic-Con in fact I don't know but I'm really thrilled to be part of it although as terrifying <laughs> as it is but I am happy to reveal you know personal life and what it takes to be part of this business. It's not even part of this business, but to be true to who you are as an artist, as an actress, as a landscaper, what, whoever you are, you know, but it's about the trials and tribulations that one can go through, you know, you know, I'm, so. I'm really looking forward to hearing it. I really hope somebody can record it because um, I think I, I like that. It's not, one of those panels where you're like, you know, if you had any advice for any upcoming actors, what would it be? It would be to act a lot, not like anything like that. It would be, <laughs> yes, it, it would yeah. be it's something deeper because people don't yeah. often think about the, the trials that doing a, pro being in a profession like this, you know, that you have to go through. Yeah. I mean, it's about visibility and their partner doesn't want you to be visible. And then there's, I mean, there's so much and it's just like any career, there are, you know, personal stories to be told about how you became successful in whatever career you chose. So, um, and I, I love, um, you said Paige and it is definitely much more like, um, well, what is the show actors inside the, the actor's studio? Yeah. Actor studio, which I do catch now and then. And I'm like, whoa wow it's you know so this panel is mimicking that although there's five of us speaking in one hour so there's not going to be a lot of time oh my to, goodness to talk but hopefully hopefully and pat i know pat tallman very well this will become the kind of panel that will be um recreated at other comic cons I, you know, we, DeAndra and I have sat in a lot of panels of yours and, and Heather's and Tuesday's and Amanda's and we, anytime we're at a convention, we make it a goal to, to support you guys and, and sit at these panels and listen. And Thank every you. time, every time I think I'm just so tired of them getting asked the same questions because yeah. I want, I want them to be asked different questions and, and really there are things I want to know. That's why I always said, if I ever had the chance, I'm going to ask them, you know, what's your favorite line you've ever spoken in any film? Because it's like, it's like a different type of question. I always said, if I ever had a chance to moderate a panel, I would do it very much like inside the actor's, the actor's studio, studio, just to get more, more in depth. You know, how many, how many times can you answer? It was great to work with Robert Englund. Like exactly. it's, or, the same, or, it's the same or, answer. Or like, um, <laughs> what's another one? Oh, I know I've seen it asked a couple times. I mean, I don't mean to knock because I know people out there don't because Paige, you and I, we're on everything that comes out and we're attending all these right. panels. We're like, hey, we're front row, you know, <laughs> but because right. um, there Thank are people you. out there who probably don't. But I know when I was preparing to talk to you tonight that I definitely looked up several of your interviews and tried to maybe expand upon some questions that you had in the past uh, asked to you and your answers or just to do a little bit of research to see if if certain questions had been asked before and and try to to delve into something deeper it's interesting because it's almost like it should be a two panel weekend okay here's the you know i don't know the ice cream and the jerry bellies you know whatever but then there's the panel that is you know very you know in internal the internal experience of any artist or anyone, you know, what you go through and what you struggle through to be where you are. And sometimes you're amazed at where you are. You're like, what? But there is a path that we all take to be where we are. And, and gosh, thank you so much for asking 
different questions. So I'm kind of excited about this panel in San Diego that is more internal. And I will share with you, and I know that Amanda and Heather will share say this too. We, the three of us have done panels. We did a panel in Lexington, Kentucky, and it was just three of us. We had this woman power panel and we got to talk about, we got to get a little more internal, a little bit more. And I think audience members really do appreciate what you guys are saying, you know, like women power and just more internal stuff that happened to us that was painful, but we kept on because we believed in our craft. We believed in what we were meant on this earth to be, you know, you know, and I think so powerful. I I really think that people are catching on and I don't, I don't know if it's because us women are getting more involved, but because we are noticing these, these films and, and like you had mentioned much earlier in the conversation about more women coming up, I think times are changing and I think the panels and the way that things are approached needs to also change because I feel that there's so much more that can be explored. Even like the whole theme about Hollywood, you reach a certain age, you're done as a woman, but the guys keep going. So they get to tell their stories, but women throughout their lives in all stages have so many stories to tell. And when you explore these films after a while, or you've been in your craft for so long, I feel that there's so much that's being missed out and audiences are ready for that evolution into something else. Yeah. And why women had to drop out after 37 years old. We had no choice. It's still a fact. Screen Actors Guild. Okay. It used to be seven out of 10 roles were men. So that leaves three out of 10 for women, right? That is now nine out of 10 roles are men. One for women. Wow. Wow. And you would think it would have gone the opposite, you know, but no, there's just more roles for men. And I think what I love about Wonder Woman, too, is a female director, for God's sake, you know? Um, did you guys see Glow? Have you seen Glow? I, I watched yeah, it. I yeah. binge watched it. <laughs> or heard of it. it. There's billboards all around where I live in Los Angeles here. Glow. And a male friend of mine, a man friend of mine said, Lisa, you got to watch this show. They did 10 episodes. I watched it. It was about women, a, a, a freaking <laughs> male director smoking, you know, blah, blah, blah macho guy, you know, who creates a show of wrestling for women in the 80s. They did it. It's based on true, a true story. You know what I was really happy about? The majority of the cast was female. I, I love that, like, the majority of that cast was female, and they were also um, different ethnicities. They were different sizes. They yes, weren't yes. different backgrounds. The stereotypical 21-year-old yeah. girl who's a size no, zero. exactly. I love this show. I love it. I believe they're going to be picked up for another season. Their first season was 10 episodes again, but I, you know, I, I just loved it. Well, one, I loved it because it's the eighties, which is like when I was doing, you know, high school and college and all that. And, and their perfection to detail and the clothing and the makeup and the hair. Awesome. Fantastic. But also that this show was picked up by Netflix Thank you. Love Netflix. Okay. We love they, Netflix. Like, <laughs> they just do like crazy shit. You know, they just do. Anyway, I would love to see that ratio change to, you know, five women, five men out of 10 equal balance. Yes. But, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, I hope so too. And um, I actually read another article and this was just a, a, a blogger journalist to exploring it and, and we do want to see that increase but he also mentioned that there are a lot of roles for women in in horror um as well now uh 
to see more maybe female driven horror movies. Cause I know I watched a double X on Netflix, which was created by women and it was told, it told several horror movies from female perspectives, which was extremely interesting. Uh, and it's directors, Jovanka Vukovic, Annie, Roxanne and Karen. So they're all female. And you know, Lisa, uh, you have so much to say in, in, in exploring films. Anchor, you can download to your phone and you can have your own little radio show. You can put it up on iTunes. People can listen to it. And I know oh that my goodness. people would oh love to goodness. hear from you. Oh, no. I can't do my own radio show. I only <laughs> trying to do my YouTube my YouTube episodes. Have you seen any of them? Yes. We, yes. I wrote that down. I wanted to bring that up because I love your YouTube episodes. I think they are so perfect. I think it's such a behind the scenes look that like fans didn't get to have, that they don't get to have. And I think that the fans are responding so well to it too. Well, it's been a lot of fun doing them. I did them December through January and I think I did seven and then um, just Last month posted one with Danny, right? Because um, everyone's like, "Well, you're going to have other people there." Look, I have like a, <laughs> I have like a three, I have like a three-year sketch of the episodes I want to do regarding Nightmare on Elm Street locations, other places, Halloween, everything in Los Angeles. You know, being a spokesperson, but not even a spokesperson, but just being like the host and just have a guest on to talk about their experience there. Oh my God, um, I, I, started, I started the series just with me, right? And to see how it would catch on. And, um, it, you know, it's catching on. You know, I'm not looking glamorous. I've got a baseball cap on. I'm throwing nunchucks and wearing kids. I mean, you know, it's just like down-home fun and visiting these locations which I have an emotional attachment to as well. And it's, it's just fun. And I realized too, I love to interview people. I love that. And you know what is, is great about that is the fact that you are in the ball cap because you're not, it's very authentic. It's very raw. It's not like, hello, let me ask you the questions that are, you know, typical and we're going to be all prim and proper and, and ready to be just absolutely perfect because that's just not reality. So I love that talking to people about their experiences and having that element of, of honesty because even in today's world, people really like that. That's why there's live videos and everything of that sort because people want that raw experience. So I love that. I love that. Love it. Oh my gosh, Deandra, thank you so much because it's like, what, am I going to be there and, you know, my hair all curled and, you know, perfect and this and that. No, it's like, put on the pigtails, put on the baseball cap and just have fun. I love the pigtails and baseball yeah, cap though. Me too. <laughs> don't ever change that. Don't so ever I don't blame that. you for not cutting your hair. I do love those pigtails. <laughs> Well, like I'm a hairstylist, so to me, I'm like, cut it, <laughs> you know, like just chop it off and then put extensions Are on you? it if you want to wear it really? long. Yeah, that's You're my like She does a great stylist. job. Oh my god, wait, yeah, she's Paige, done my hair a couple wait, times. Wait. Hold on, Paige, you want to yeah. cut my hair off? Really? I totally will. I will totally. Well, how we can, can I do it wear pigtails? We can do. Well, you can always wear extensions. We can just get you some <laughs> clip-ins. <laughs> we at least I'll weave. Because we'll I am still so like in love with the Robin Wright look, you know. Yeah. Um, hmm. We could do it okay. at Scarefest. We'll all be at Scarefest. <laughs> we can do it there. You could totally rock a short haircut, and then you know, for like a night out, throw some extensions in, and you know, put them in pigtails and stuff. Yeah, I totally think will you, you pull be it off. there to put my extensions in. Probably not. <laughs> that's the problem. No, I, could, I could teach you. I could, I could that's, oh, I'm also I'm an so expert. We'll do a tutorial I'm video. So... Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> step by step. Oh, my gosh. Maybe we'll do it like a panel and you'll cut off my hair. Oh, my We should do it for charity. $10,000. We should do it for charity. We should do, like, us cutting your hair for charity. If, they, if we could oh raise gosh. so much money for charity, we'll, we'll cut your hair. Okay, I'm very tempted, Paige. I'm just going to be thinking about that. I'm thinking that, like, you, like, have a super set of, like, extensions, like, in your purse. <laughs> you can just, like, throw those in at the in the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> what yeah. What the hell? 
<laughs> I mean, there's there's extensions that are literally just like a clear headband, and you could literally just put it on, and it like fills in your hair. It's there's yeah, but you say you just come put a long it on. Way. I can't like put it on. I'm like dyslexic. <laughs> you don't understand. I, I, I can teach you. It's it's not like Nightmare Four and the bad wig, the bad hair. <laughs> Like, <laughs> oh my God. things it's have not, definitely changed. That, definitely, they've definitely changed. It's not that no. bad way in, oh in the mirror the, with the stunt double. Like, things have definitely come a long way. So, oh Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, well, way. this is this conversation has definitely gone to <laughs> a place. It's weird. I'm so happy it went to, and I hope everyone hears. All right, so to kind of get to back on like subject, because you know we're talking. We were. What did this start with? It started with female empowerment, which is definitely you know we've got our hair, and it sometimes rules us. But <laughs> I don't. Okay, we did. Did we start with hair empowerment in the beginning? I don't I even don't remember. It was like seven years ago. I'm pretty sure we missed flashback and. Okay, scare. seven years. Oh, 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 wait. Okay, wait. <laughs> Going back seven years ago. Okay. okay. Going. I'm listening. <laughs> Whatever that is in Wayne's world. Um, when they go back in time. But um, so you have a lot of, of, of projects and everything coming up. So and a lot of appearances. And I know you've got the Watcher of Park Avenue. Um, would you mind talking about Watcher and some of your upcoming projects and, uh, where everybody might be able to find you in the future for conventions? Okay. The Watcher of Park Avenue. I am a lead role in that part and Amanda Wiss, who is of course, Amanda Wiss, who's, was quote, Freddie's first kill, but she's done so many amazing other things. And Amanda and I don't have a scene together, but we are in the same film. And that's kind of a first, you know. There's one of the actors who played Freddie in the fan films who's actually also in Watcher. His name is Roberto Lombardi. Have you, did you, was he on set with you at all? Have you ever, his, his films, I think he, he plays Officer England in the film, in Watcher, which I think is just a fantastic nod that Ryan put in there. Um, and did you have any scenes with Roberto? Did you know that he had portrayed a fan film version of Freddy? No, no, I didn't. But he would have been on the Amanda West side. I was part of the, um, you know, New York upscale, you know, Social da, 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 elite. Yeah. New, yeah. New Year's Eve party thing happening. I play a very quirky, um, kind of bitchy woman which is really fun to play. (laughs) What other projects do you have um, coming up that we might be able to, to watch or to look into and um, what conventions are you going to coming up? I'm doing a film called the possessed, the possessed. It will film in New Orleans. It's been pushed a couple times, um, but it will be happening. Um, Another feature coming up that I'll be filming in October, November called Mystery Spot. It's not a horror film. It's a suspense film and I'll be filming in Texas and The Quiet Room. I filmed in March a short film. It's a horror film, but I just play a, uh, it takes place in a psych ward. And I'm simply a psych ward psychologist. That's awesome. And you'll be, uh, what are some of the conventions you have um, coming up then as well, where fans might be able to find you? Yeah. Oh, Flashback Weekend in Chicago is pretty much a Nightmare on Elm Street reunion. And then I'm going to be doing Lexington, Kentucky. Um, That one in September. And then I'm going to be doing Comic-Con in Rhode Island in November. And Robert England will be there as well. And then, gosh, October is Alamo, Comic-Con Alamo. Sounds like you're you're keeping very, very busy. You know, just go to my website, lisawilcox.biz, or 
back to lisaewilcox.com. And I will have all my appearances will be there. Awesome. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We don't want to keep you, but we've certainly had a wonderful time talking to you, Lisa. So thank you so much for talking to us and uh, about hair, about women in filmmaking, about Alice, about Nightmare, and just just being the great you that you are. And I can't wait to tell you all what new car I'm going to be getting. Yay! Yay! <laughs> With the old jeans, still in the mechanic shop. I'm like, okay, I'll get, I'll get it tomorrow, and it's all good. All right, all right, <laughs> all right Lisa. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on with us. Thank you, girls. What a talk with Miss Lisa Wilcox. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I I love having these super candid conversations with them, and I love how real and raw and honest she was and and very empowering much like the Alice character yeah and I feel like you know for for me at least I start out these interviews and I think okay make sure you get the stuff done you want to ask these questions we're going to keep it on track and then I go through like this small struggle where I'm like be super professional and then I'm just like you know what this show is designed to be kind of raw and just honest and we just let it happen I think every week we're just letting our freak flag fly more and more and I love it I love talking to her I love how honest she was because you know like we've mentioned before you have your your convention self and then you've got your Elm Street radio self <laughs> exactly <laughs> we're the new standard <laughs> I love it I think I, I think I just I, I think it's awesome and and I loved like hearing her stories and, and I love that she's doing this Comic-Con convention where she's oh God, doing more yeah. of that inside the actor's studio panel. I, I, I really love that. I love that she's not going to get those typical questions and she's really going to get to tell her story. She, she told it a little bit tonight and I think that hopefully she gets to expand upon it more. Yeah, and like I said, I really hope if anybody's listening and it is at Comic-Con right now, because um, I know this episode is is coming out, you know, what was today when this comes out is a Friday. Uh, so I know that's before the panel because the panel is on Saturday. So I would love to see it recorded because Lisa just takes so much pride and, and tries to be honest, like with her web series and with that panel. And so... I really hope that that trend continues and I hope that she keeps moving forward with this and I hope people learn a lot from it because I think that was a major theme of tonight's episode is, you know, times are changing. The heroines are coming out, you know, women have a lot of roles for a lot of different ages and times somebody steps it up and is like, excuse me, I'm just going to take charge because if you're going to just keep creating these roles and these these panels that are just kind of shallow, we're never going to get anywhere. So let's really take charge and, and delve a little bit deeper. Isn't that kind of why we started this station? That is why we started it. <laughs> and you know what? I think we're doing our heroes like Alice and Nancy very, very, very Okay, I've lost my train of thought mid-sentence, but I think we're doing them, we're making them proud, basically. I think, yeah, I think we're doing them justice. I think that, that they have inspired you and I so much and have shaped you and I to become these strong women that we are, that if anything, us doing this is, is giving back and a thank you to the positive role models that we have had. I think it certainly has. And if anyone listening right now has had any really positive experiences from the heroes within A Nightmare on Elm Street, um, please feel free to share some of your stories in the comments. We would love to, uh, to, to hear them. And, and, you know, we love to hear inspiring stories and how everybody's impacted your life. And, but don't leave too much because uh, we're going to want to hear some, some surprises for, for Fred Heads. <laughs> <laughs> so um next week we're gonna have toy newkirk on oh my gosh sheila is coming to elm street radio and a special guest is going to join us for the episode i'm going to announce or did i say it last week you know what i've got crs can't remember s-h-i-t so uh, i i don't remember if i announced it there but i guess i'll just say it here it's ashley blackwell 
from the yes. graveyard shift sisters. She's going to be on talking to Sheila. Oh my gosh, to toy. And, and we both know how much she <laughs> has been influenced by her. And this is their first time talking. So I'm just going to basically be like, all right, go guys. <laughs> just let them talk. <laughs> I, and like I said, we're probably going to hit the mute button and just both be in awe of them, of them talking. I think that that's going to be such a powerful episode of Elm Street Radio. And I don't think we could have had a better guest co-host than Ashley Blackwell. You know, she's just going to kick some butt and and toy. Like, it's so exciting. I'm so excited for for everyone involved. Yeah, she has a hell of a career. So (sighs) very excited about that. Well, guys, it has been awesome talking to you. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. And just thanks for tuning in every week. We really, really appreciate you guys taking the time because I feel like these episodes are getting longer. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for taking time out of your life to spend with us here on on Elm Street Radio. We very much appreciate it. And we look forward to to talking your ear off again uh, next week.